have a hard out in like an hour and 40 minutes. And I feel like explaining what's going on in Spider-Man would take at least 40 of those minutes. So we're going to, we're going to, you know, take a break from you and go to the main show. Thanks for having you. And uh, we're welcoming uh, Jean-Luc. Hello. To the show. Hey, how's it going, Jean-Luc? Yeah. The alter ego of me that actually reads monthly superhero comics is, is gone. That's who runs our Twitter account. They seem less. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say they seem less happy. They might seem more happy, but a little more like, is deranged a good word? Is that, is that a good? Is it? Well, that alter ego has a lot of his brain space taken up by stupid superhero comics bullshit. This alter ego, this well, this is not an alter ego. I guess this is the main ego. Uh, I'm mostly thinking about uh, Rogue Squadron and, you know, the events of the Back to War and the guerrilla campaign uh, waged against uh, Isan Isard's government on Thyfera in 7 ABY. And so I'm not sure they're I'm, I'm not sure which one is more deranged. How you doing, Emily? Hi, Alex. I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. good. Do you have a do you have an alter ego that you uh, brought? brought to the show today i no i did not did not do that today i uh, wasn't prepared for that mm. that's okay you you can have paul too it's it's, it's a it's a catch-all i'm sure we can both be paul yeah i can't talk about paul anymore no so let's no. talk about tintin Ooh, that's that's random but okay all right um i i, I do want to say um paul's bit there where i was like okay do one minute and then you know Paul was like, "No, I'll do five sentences." It was actually three minutes long, so don't don't let them trick you out there when they also, say five sentences. Also, felt like more than five sentences. I I, I think Paul did there three sentences and then forgot to do four and five, and then just did a the the end of the tangent. But it wasn't forty minutes long, so I would still say it is a it's a net positive in the world. I kind of let the bit go a little bit because so much of my brain space has been taken up by this and i it was it felt good to to get it all out and now it's out and i'm ready to talk about tintin and the blue lotus whoa whoa that's crazy uh that is what we're talking about today we've we've done a lot of comic books and i think this is the earliest comic book that we've done in terms of when it was released because uh this one came out in 1935 which is yeah, sounds right is that four Three years detective before? comics by yeah four years four years before he's for action both both two years before detective detective's 37 right oh no the issue number is 37 oh wait no yeah well detective one i guess but action was before detective right yeah superman came first yeah yeah, okay then why do they call it dc comics and not ac comics that's what i want to know you know i wish i i wish i could tell you Hmm. well i guess all that aside we're talking about yeah tinted in the blue lotus which is the fourth or fifth i think tintin book uh, the first one was in 1929 which is tintin in the land of the soviets um and uh it was created by a belgian man whose name probably isn't herge but it's, i for- believe it's erge oh maybe i mean like that's like a really basic but i think it's erge but I, I thought there was an accent one sec uh, we, can, we can look this up oh is I there thought, an accent I, I thought there was an accent oh, there was on an the accent. last e You're- you're right then. Or air, either Ergay or Erge. Erge? I, I, would, Erge. I would guess it's Ergay. No idea. Nice. But... Well, Ergay, real name George Prosper Remy, uh, is a Belgian cartoonist and he created Tintin. Um, he created it working at the conservative Catholic newspaper. Kind of strange. Uh, Le 
Vingtième siècle. Vingtième siècle. Siècle. Why am I doing this? Why am I the one who's reading this first? This is, yeah, yeah, Jolly's gonna actually kind of like bit. no French. Yeah. <laughs> so he created the Adventures of Tintin in 1929 on the advice of its editor, Norbert Wallace, and uh, it features 24 volumes spanning from 1929 all the way up till 1986. So, um, that's a long run. That's a long run for like a single creative team of one, um, which is pretty remarkable in and of itself. Um, the series ended in 1986 with Tintin and Alf art, which was the unfinished 24th volume uh, because Erge uh, passed away in 1983. So it's three years after his death and it was just the unfinished stuff, um, which is also the only Tintin book I do not own. Hmm. I even wow. own the, the especially racist uh, Tintin in the land of the Soviets. So, yeah. Which was, I mean, a whole other thing because I was like, that was when I couldn't find it in any bookstores or anything. And I'm like, I'm a kid, right? And I'm like, what? What? Where's the other Tintin book? Where's the last one? And it's like, oh, there's a reason you can't, you shouldn't be looking at that Wait, book. Tintin in the Land of the Soviets is the one you couldn't find? Yeah. I'm surprised yeah. I would have expected that to be like a staple of Western anti-communist propaganda. <laughs> yeah. F fill the bookstores with it. Yeah, it was, it was a... Uh... It's uh, well, there's a reason we're not talking about that one, and not to say that this one from 1935 is, is blemish-free, um, because mm, you can be progressive in some rights and very racist in other fronts. This book is a fascinating animal, is what I said to my wife when I was reading it earlier. I mean, all of Tintin is kind of tainted by like the fact that the creator is a fascist, right? So it's it's sort of, it's more or less to be expected that like they all have, you know, a little, just a little racism going on, right? It's it, it it's always, it's different. And they're like, this was the one where uh, Urge sort of, um, as Jean-Luc put it earlier this week, went woke um, because he like, it, it, the story is that- This well, comic I mean, is pretty woke, all things considered. For 1935, uh, well, well, we'll get to that. Um, but this was- um, uh, this was the, the, one of the first Tintin books where he actually did some like serious research on stuff and he like actually knew someone of the I guess uh, background that he was writing about not the Japanese people in this book obviously um, but his Chinese friend uh, yeah Chang Chong Chen was, is the kid's name and they met um, they were they, they, they were put together by a Catholic priest who was like your book's racist you should actually talk to someone who's Chinese uh, because of the portrayal that you know he did in other books um, and this was also the first book that he properly plotted, uh, because the other ones were sort of done on a shonen style where it was like a weekly sort of like, um, pages going out and, and, and really rushed and that sort of thing. Um, so this is seen by a lot of people as the, the, the start of like, this is the actual quality Tintin stuff, as opposed to the ones before, which are a little more, uh, juvenile, a little more problematic and, and all that stuff. And it was, was the first openly political Tintin story. Just, 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 just a little bit, just a little bit. Okay, I would disagree with that, but, like... That it's the first openly political one, or that it's political well, yeah, at all? Isn't the background to Tintin in the Land of the Soviets that his editor told him to write it as anti-communist propaganda? Like, wasn't that... Isn't that the whole reason Tintin in the Land of the Soviets exists? But didn't that come out later? No, no that, that was the first oh, one. That's the first one. Okay, no, I got, I got it. The, yeah, Tintin in the Land of the Soviets is the first one. But I, I, I don't know, maybe it is considered... I, 
I guess anti-communism probably is not considered to be particularly political by a lot of people. It's not political if you're supporting the, like, hegemony. Yeah, most people would say it's common sense. uh, And they are stupid. Yeah, before before we hit the plot summary, though, I'm going to just read something by by Erge talking about his sort of... um, yeah, I'll, I'll just read the quote, but it's basically him talking about like, oh, like, what was the difference with the Blue Lotus and actually like how his view of Chinese people changed uh, going into it. So, um, again, this is his quote, not mine. It was at the time of the Blue Lotus that I discovered a new world. For me, up to then, China was peop- was peopled by a vague, slit-eyed people who were very cruel and would eat swallows' nests, wear pigtails, and throw children into rivers. I was influenced by the pictures and stories of the Boxer Uprising where the accent was always on the cruelty of the yellow people, and this made a deep impact. So so he just, like, wrote, yeah, like, there's not even any, like, like, he just wrote himself into this, huh? Like, I mean, not, like, as a character, but, like, that's, like, verbatim from stuff from the book. We're going to get into that, obviously, but... <laughs> There's a yeah, there is a scene where Tintin is explaining to his Chinese friend like what, you know, people back in Europe think of uh, of the Chinese and it is exactly that. So Yeah, like good. almost word for word. Look, he was doing a str- he, he writing this book was just him doing a struggle session. He was like doing ruthless self-critique. Good wow. for him. Very brave. We're going to jump into the plot summary now though. Um and uh, we'll we'll break this up if you guys want to do a paragraph each. I'll do the first one, then we can we can do that up. But uh, uh, but the Blue Lotus picks up right where Cigars of the Pharaoh left off, and uh, Tintin's normally just sort of serialized action adventure and things all like that. Um, but sometimes they have sort of uh, recurring recurring villains and, and 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 stuff going on, which we do see a little bit of the, in the Blue Lotus, especially at the end, where it's like, oh my gosh, you kind of stuff um but it picks up with Tintin staying as a guest of the maharaja of gaipayama uh, the story begins with Tintin is visited by an unknown chinese man wanting to discuss matters of great importance with him uh the man is hit by a dart containing the madness serum from the previous issue and before losing his grip on reality only manages to tell Tintin that he must go to shanghai and seek a man called mitsuhirato um take it away emily Tintin and his fox terrier Snowy travel to Shanghai to meet Mitsuhiro. To- this is such a weird. I don't. I've never seen this surname before. Mitsuhirato, who warns them that the Maharaja is in danger and that they should return to India. Surviving several attempts on his life by mysterious assailants, Tintin attempts to leave for India by boat, but is kidnapped and brought back to China. His abductors reveal themselves as members of a secret society known as the Sons of the Dragon, who, like the Maharaja, are devoted to combating the opium trade. Their leader, Wang Chen Yi, explains to Tintin that Mitsu Hirato is both a Japanese spy and an opium smuggler, and enlists Tintin in their fight to stop him. Tintin agrees and spies on Mitsu Hirato at the Blue Lotus Opium Bin. Following him, Tintin witnesses Mitsu Hirato blowing up a Chinese railway. The Japanese government uses this as an excuse to invade northern China, taking Shanghai under its control. So Tintin is captured by Mitsu Hirato, uh, who plans to poison him with... I I'm not, I still don't know how this is pronounced, but it's the, the madness drug. The madness Rajaja? Drug. Rajaja? Rajaja? Yeah, let's go with that. Not bad. But 
uh, in typical Tintin fashion, there is a twist to save Tintin, uh, which is that one of Wang's agents is able to swap out the poison for water. So when Tintin is poisoned, he's able to just pretend that he went mad uh, long enough to, to be untied and, and let go. So Mitsuhirato obviously discovers this deception uh, and he convinces the Japanese military to put out a warrant for Tintin's arrest. While this is happening, uh, Tintin enters the Western settlement in search for Professor Fang Si Ying, an expert on poisons who he hopes can develop a cure, uh, but discovers that he too has been kidnapped. J.M. Dawson, who is the corrupt chief of police at the Shanghai International Settlement, arrests Tintin and hands him over to the Japanese, who sentences him to death uh, before he is rescued by Wang uh, in a really funny and contrived manner. (laughs) Only the best. Uh, Traveling to Hukou with the ransom money for Fang, Tintin comes across a flood that has destroyed a village and rescues a young Chinese orphan, Chang Chong Chen, which, if you've been listening to this podcast, you'll know that that is the name of the kid that Erge um, met and was like, oh, wait a minute. Chinese people are people, too. That's crazy. Um, so uh, Chang accompanies Tintin to Hukou, where one of Mitsu Hirato's spies ambush him. Uh, they realize that it was a trap and that Fang was not there. Meanwhile, the detectives Thompson and Thompson, uh, who are twins and British and very bumbling, uh, are employed by Dawson to arrest Tintin, but fail on multiple occasions. Returning to Shanghai, Tintin intends to confront Mitsuhirato and allows himself to be captured by him. Being held prisoner at the titular Blue Lotus, he discovers that Mitsuhirato is in league with the film director (gasps) Rastapopoulos, whom you might remember from The Cigars of the Pharaoh, the previous Tintin adventure. Um, And yeah, it's he's 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 in league with the um, well, he's 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 the head of the international opium smuggling uh, gang that Tintin had pursued in Egypt and India and was the man assumed to have fallen to his death during the foiled kidnapping of the Maharaja's son in. However, in accordance with Tintin's plan, Chang and the Sons of the Dragon rescue Tintin and Fang. Rastapopoulos is arrested, while Mitsuhirato commits seppuku. Uh, Tintin's report on Mitsuhirato's activities lead to accusations against Japan, which withdraws from the League of Nations protest. Uh, Fang develops a cure for Rajaisha? the you know the the madness stuff while wang adopts chang as a son tintin and snowy return home to europe for their next adventure wow what a book from 1935 huh it sure was from 1935 Mm -hmm. so a lot of plot uh shoved into 67 pages yeah yeah um before we get into if you liked it uh, what is your sort of experience with 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 Tintin? Have you read it? Had you heard of it? Is this your first time? And you're like, whoa, this is this is wild. Uh, I guess starting with starting with John Luke. Yeah, I mean, I read a little bit of Tintin as a kid. Uh, I don't remember exactly. I, I well, I I remember reading Tintin in the Americas uh, and maybe Tintin in the Congo. That one s- sounded familiar. I was kind of looking through the back of the you know, completely legal and above board digital copy of this. And it had like, it has like all like a two page ad of all the other ones. And I definitely recognize some of them, but I, I can't say that I really remember anything about the Tintins I read as a kid. Most of like how I think of Tintin is the more recent and but like last five years or so discourse about, you know, 
the more problematic elements let should we say of the tintin books and also of the the, the writer the author of them so it's kind of where i've been at with tintin I don't really have much of a history with Tintin. Like, I feel like I've been aware of the existence of Tintin for quite a while, but even that probably came, like, I I feel like I probably didn't know anything about Tintin until I was, like, in high school, maybe, and uh, I just never got around to, like, reading any of it. I'm just sort of, like, ambiently familiar with Tintin the way I am with, like, Asterix and stuff like that. Um, I, there's, I know there's some mural somewhere of Tintin and, like, the old guy and they're, like, kissing. Captain Haddock. Yeah, uh, yeah, there's a mural of that somewhere, and I don't remember where it is, but that's like my strongest association <laughs> with Tintin is uh, the the knowledge of the existence of that mural. And also, I am fairly certain that at some point when I was in college, I attempted to watch the animated Tintin movie that came out with a person I was dating at the time. But as you can imagine, because I was in college at the time and the type of life I lived in college at the time, I maybe don't remember very much of that experience watching that movie. Do you want to hook up with someone? Watch the Tintin movie. No, I meant that I was smoking too much weed. I I don't want want to smoke too much weed. Watch the Tintin movie. I don't I don't want anyone to assume that I fucked while Tintin was on the screen. (laughs) Just like. i don't need him to watch (laughs) but anyway yeah so this was my first time reading tintin uh Mm -hmm. and i i mean like all the the, i mean i guess we're gonna get into it but all the problems aside i i did enjoy this nice 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 i did not uh do drugs while watching tintin nor did i have sex while watching tintin um reading tintin anyway that would be kind of of impressive 60 pages just like i don't know um but i own every tintin book except the the 24th one as i said earlier and it was just yeah like as a kid this was one of my i guess foundational comics that i read uh before i got into like um you know going into a comic book store probably like when i was like nine or ten just like oh here's a tintin book i think it was like my my cousin was like oh check out tintin and then just like got those for birthdays and christmases for years until i had 23 um and yeah, I mean, I have fond memories of it and I'd watched the animated show as well, which is very, it's, I wouldn't say it's great animation, but it's, it, it's a step above the sort of like guided panel DC view thing where they're like, it's like moving, it's like going, it's like animated. Yeah, you um, linked it in our chat and I didn't get a chance to watch it before this, but I am going to watch it tonight because I am excited about that. Yeah, l- let me know what you think. And they have one for, they have 39 episodes. Um, oh, so cute. That's fun. They make it go, um. And um, yeah, so a uh, lot. And then I hadn't read Tintin for like probably five, five, ten years, five to ten years, somewhere in there uh, before reading The Blue Lotus. And I chose The Blue Lotus because it's I, I like stumbled upon something that it was like the sort of turning point for Tintin where it became a little less like really racist for no reason. And it became like a more worldly thing, which was like, oh, no, not really, but more maybe. Um in, in in the way it went so i mean you know um, you're starting from the bottom 
Yeah. So then I was like, oh, but it's 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 kind of fascinating because the books, you know, the first one is from 1929. The last one that he wrote and finished was 1976. So um, I guess to compare those two and wondering how like things have changed, um, even if Erge was maybe uh, a little bit of a fascist, maybe not so such such a nice guy. Um, but instead, yeah, actually, he just decided to go with this one. I okay. So I don't. I didn't really know anything about like the the writer of 1010 before this so like when john said that he was a fascist like this is the i literally know nothing so i does anyone want to give me the skinny on that or alex do you want to i i mean i can go for I'm it ju- i'm just curious like you know i could google yeah, it i mean but... well he he was just a like a he was a right winger yeah um like he was like committed to like Belgian Belgian royalty, like the Belgian royal family. Okay. He was a, like a staunch defender of like Belgian Belgian imperialism in the Congo. Like Tintin in the Congo, like famously, like I, it, you can think of Tintin basically as being Baby's first like right wing propaganda. It like tinted in the land of the soviets is an anti-communist work tinted in the land of the congo is like a uh you know white man's burden sort of work about how it's necessary for uh white imperialists to to colonize the african savages in the congo like they may be well-meaning but they are nonetheless like savages who require domestication of by by the white man Mm -hmm. um which actually i think it's interesting i i I, which is why i would kind of push back against the the assertion that tintin and and the blue lotus is tintin going woke uh because i I think that it actually fits perfectly with the political project that erge was a part of which is that it, it may be have be like a more positive portrayal of china and chinese people but it comes at the expense of japan which we'll we'll get into this but like there is a a very there's a reason why like right-wing europeans were again were against like japan in the two sino-japanese conflicts and it's not because they found like the things that imperial japan were doing objectionable which they obviously were i mean japan you know that they did perform imperial japan performed a genocide against china in in the 1930s and 40s Mm -hmm. but like the reason that this book is like pro China is more because that is more, that is more suitable to Western Imperial interests. And it meant to, to, to sort of, in my opinion, gotcha. the way I read it is as, as counteracting, you know, the Japanese Imperial interests in favor of Western ones. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, you know, I mean, and not to, yeah, sorry. Oh, go ahead. You know, I mean, not to defend him completely, but most of the books that, mentioned like congo uh soviets pharaoh even like blue lotus were definitely early stuff and not to say yeah. that you know I, and not to say that his later stuff necessarily is like um blemish free or I, I don't even you know i haven't i haven't read them in, in a long time and stuff like that ideolo- uh, ideology wise but um there is like j- just in terms of like the subject matter as he goes through and in terms of like where he focuses on going and everything it's like very different in terms of that kind of stuff um so there was definitely a shift post World War Two because he experienced firsthand the Belgian occupation, uh, the Nazi occupation of Belgium and France. Yeah, but also you know he catered his work in those eras so that it could continue being published. 
uh, during the in Nazi occupied France. So like, right. He's a, he's kind of, he's a more complicated figure than just, Oh, he's a right winger. Like he, he's like a, he's a, a fundamentalist right winger. A, a lot of his beliefs do start there, but in his, like he kind of does the Lovecraft thing where like later in life, he renounces a lot of his like earlier views. Yeah. It, it, it does but but he doesn't but it's i wouldn't say that it's full throated necessarily at least is my under is my understanding i mean like in that. um in a king otkar's scepter which is like 19 1938 the like the big bad guy of the piece is kind of like a hitler mussolini like yeah thinks so and he's someone who definitely lets like his experiences seep in like in this one it was like he talked to a chinese person for the first time maybe and was like wait a minute you're not all these terrible stereotypes. So I, and he's someone who like, you know, learns something and then like goes sort of full into that while also doing that. I mean, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's clear from, I think just even this one, this one piece in the anecdote there, but um, yeah. So it's, I, uh, I don't know where he ended up when he was, you know, by the time he died, what, where he was at in terms of his ideology and stuff, but definitely at the beginning, he was um, had some, at least fish, fascistic tendencies or um or leanings there and you know right wing and stuff like that and you know he did also start this off he was writing for the conservative christian newspaper like that is where he you know published the his first few ones there too so um Um, two things one i figured out where the mural is it's in paris uh would you guys like to see it sure uh (laughs) here it is i should have picked a captain haddock one he's he's fun this is uh this is in paris this is on a wall somewhere you can even like look it up on google and there's like a google maps uh play like location for it that you can go track it down it's, if you're it's probably a pokestop you're ever in paris. Is it probably is a pokestop so yeah um but thank you thank you for the the history lesson i appreciate that added context and it does kind of make uh, a lot of this comic makes sense in certain ways not that it like not that i didn't understand necessarily even just reading it because it's not really that hard to parse but you know like the the thing about this comic is that like and i I can't speak necessarily because i don't know to the rest of them but like the stuff that happens in this comic is historically pretty accurate like right down to like the inciting incident one of the inciting incidents of the second sino-japanese war was a failed attempt to blow up a rail railway that yeah. then the Japanese used as a as cover for occupying Shanghai. So like th- this is like it is very much rooted in the history of the time, which is why I think it is, you know, worth, you know, going in like not going in with like like, like going in with like a clear understanding of where the creator is like and like and you know saying that it's the first um political piece is probably a miss uh, a misrepresentation, but maybe the first one that's rooted in like political events um in the world kind of thing like real ones that like like tangible like events as opposed to like the concept of like you know communism and like why it's so bad raw kind of stuff i mean i can't speak to the soviets or congo which i think both predate this but yeah so it goes soviets congo tintin america cigars of the pharaoh and then blue lotus a few a couple years later um, and yeah, as he goes on, there's ones where it's like, they're all really rooted in whatever's happening sort of the time. So there's like two of them where like Tintin goes to the moon. That's like in the fifties. So b- before, you know, Tintin went to the moon before anyone else went to the moon, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Tintin, Tintin was doing the first space imperialist. Yeah. Yeah. No, no green screens needed or, or however they did it. I don't know. Um, but what did you guys 
think of the book? Did you guys, you know, all that baggage in it and, and all that, did you guys enjoy the overall Tintin and the Blue Lotus? Yeah, I, with, yeah. I already said that I enjoyed it. So I guess I'll just go first, get that out of the way. Yeah, I like... I was not sure what to expect and admittedly like I was obviously immediately put off by the um the casual racism even if it wasn't entirely unexpected uh it was you know a little unpleasant but um you know just as it kept going like there were parts that I found really uh enjoyable and charming to read and um I managed to enjoy myself uh, despite all the times that I was just like rubbing my temples. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it was a pretty breezy read. It took me like maybe an hour, hour and a half because I uh, kept getting distracted. But, um, you know, like even if it has a lot of plot packed into a relatively low number of pages, uh, you know, I... I th I enjoyed this as uh, my first experience with Tintin, I guess. My first official experience with Tintin. Yeah, I mean, I think visually like Tintin is incredible. Like I like the just in terms of like, the visual storytelling and the visual language, like you know, this book is no is 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 really good uh, on on that front. Uh structurally, like I think it's kind of a mess. Uh, just because like it constantly does the same sort of repeated plot structure of like, oh, something bad happened. How will Tintin get out of this? And then like two pages later, he gets out of it, which, you know, <laughs> that is the structure of adventure comics. Like I'm fine to like suspend my disbelief. Uh, and for the first, I don't know, maybe quarter, I was really into it. And then that just like kept happening uh over and over for the next 40 pages and by the end i was a little exhausted with what the book was doing structurally even if like like if you took any of those sequences on their own i think i would enjoy them it was just the sort of re repetitive nature of like mm -hmm. this the book's plot that i i don't know i was i was rolling my i was rolling my eyes a bit by the end uh though there, there are highlights towards the end of the book that we'll probably get to uh, later on. I also found it pretty repetitive but like I just sort of accepted that that was kind of the nature of this sort of comic so like I was just sort of like you know like no, I, I, for my reading experience I was just sort of like okay and I just kept kind of rolling with it I don't think it's a I don't think it's good but it didn't bother me I guess it's really no that's that's fair I I think for me I guess saying it, the repetitiveness is what got me is a little inaccurate. It's more that the stakes like get worn out really quickly. So by the end, whenever Tintin gets in trouble, it's like, Oh, like three panels from now, this is going to be meaningless, which again, like, yeah, like that's pulp adventure, like stories. Yeah. Like that's like very like Republic serial era, like movies and novels and, and all of that stuff. I just, I, I, I was a little bit, I will say I was a little bit checked out like about half by about the halfway mark. Because, Which is, like, yeah. Can we just get to the, can we just get to the next thing or maybe like set up some stakes before we resolve everything, like every conflict, like by the end of the page. And compared to like superhero comics, which I mean, up till 1960, I don't think anyone died. And like the only times they died was when Alfred was like writing his fan fiction and he was trying to get his emotions out. Right. Um, 
but those were also like you know 18 to 20 pages sometimes like you know 10 and this is like a 64 page book where it's like going back and forth and back and forth um yeah i i mean for me i i enjoyed it it was like you know as a kid i don't remember i, I don't remember the like blatant racism and like the you know especially like with with the um um the portrayal of like japanese people and just like as such, such a caricature where it's like it's it's remarkable like, and you know it, it is 1935 and all that but it's remarkable how like you humanize it, it it's just like classic propaganda right and it's like you meet someone who's chinese and you're like oh they're human and then like in your mind you're not like what if i met someone who is japanese who's like not a you know a, 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 you know like a fascist leader or whatever and it's like no it doesn't doesn't quite go there um but I, I again, the art I, I really enjoy, and like I think I think he's got a really cool sense of style. Um, it's a it, it's a very wordy book, but I felt that it still it's not a hard read at all. Like it, it flows yeah. really well, considering we have read some like early comics that are that felt much wordier than this. Like I. It didn't even occur to me that it was wordy until you said that. And then I'm like, yeah, you know, like it kind of is, but it also still felt pretty like breezy in comparison to, uh, I, you know, maybe like some like really old Swamp Thing or Batman comics that we read. I think it's just, it comes down to a difference in, in writing styles where like American comics did a lot of internal monologuing that was sort of like, a lot of early American comics of, of this era era sort of feel like novels transposed onto like images. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, like it, it, it feels much more modern because even though there is a lot of, there are a lot of words per page and words per panel, it's yeah. all dialogue, which is sort of how, which is sort of like what modern American comics do where like they may be wordy, but it's, you know, with some exceptions, it's a lot of, it's a lot of dialogue. And, I would say the difference is that very little of this dialogue is like expository in nature. Like some of it is, but mm-hmm. it doesn't, it really feels like you're, it's getting dragged down by constantly having to read. And you know, it, yeah, there's a lot of credit to the lettering in this book too, where they just really go out of their way to always make sure that like, when there are pages where there's information where where there's like a lot of text or a lot of word balloons, it's always transposed against like a blank background, like the wall of a building, like the side of a building or the wall of a room or something like that, rather than like getting in the way of the action. Mm-hmm. So there's like a real sense that, you know, Erge has is, you know, the person who both writes and draws it of like how how and when to deploy the the word bubbles. Um, cause like there are a lot of times when there's like an establishing shot of a room where you like get a sense for the space they're in. And then after that is when the panels like are sort of taken up by, by, by those word balloons. So you always like know where people are in relation to one another. And when there's like an action scene, when there's a lot of movement, it tends to get out of the way or just use like the little question marks or exclamation points that pop up over the character's heads rather than like actually writing out, you know, words. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So the, in that I mean, regard, I think it's like really well done. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely things to take from it. Um, f- from a character perspective, this this one doesn't have a lot of the sort of tinted mainstays, and some of them weren't really introduced till like ten to fifteen years later. Uh, but what did you guys think of the characters? Do you guys have a favorite, and you know, a, a least favorite? 
I mean, I guess it's hard to say that anyone other than Tintin is a favorite because, like, all of the other characters are racial stereotypes or shitty white guys. Or British. Well, yeah, shitty white guys. The British are white, Alex. (laughs) And unfortunately, I have to remember that, that I share ethnicity with fucking Brits. Yikes. I really hate to see it. So cringe. That's a joke. That's a joke. I don't actually harbor any anti-British sentiment. That's also. But they know what they do. Yeah, well, (laughs) have you listened to the show? Have you? (laughs) Um, I like like the characters aside from Tintin don't really have much of a personality. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will say I I liked the professor, uh, mostly because I think that he looks really cool. Like racial stereotype, maybe, but the really long white beard is 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 awesome. Um. And I like the some of the best moments of this book are with the Thompson twins, like the way that they're just like tripping all over everything and like thinking that they're kind of smooth wearing like the clothes, like, you know, indigenous clothing, but they, you know, stick out like sore thumbs like that stuff is like that that kind of like slapstick stuff is goofy in a way that I think of like classic like golden age comics being goofy and i do like really appreciate that like stuff like that so even though they don't really have like personalities beyond just kind of being foils for tintin in 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 the back half of the book i i do really enjoy Mm -hmm. uh like when they're on page and when i you know alluded to to moments in the latter half of the book that i really liked like those are some of them like the train scene at the train station where they're chasing the train and they both like slip and fall in in different goofy ways and then are like in the hospital talking to each other after that it's a it's a great like moment of like visual comedy uh to yeah it's 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 really well done so i i enjoyed those two characters hate the brits obviously um yeah, not, not a fan. Yep. Yeah, I'm a Thompson and Thompson fan, but again, they're not really characters in this book, but they sure are fun. I was taken by surprise, uh, because like obviously this book like starts off racist, so when it like started to become uh, like I don't want to say anti-racist, but at least like <laughs> an- anti xenophobic or xenophobic. Xenophobic. Yeah. I've only ever seen that word written. Um, but yeah, when when it became like anti-xenophobic, I was like, okay, huh. <laughs> like I was like, maybe there's like a little more to this book than I anticipated, and it turns out, yeah, I mean, maybe not much more but like a little bit uh in that like but it you know even then like when you put it in political context the like anti-sinophobia is just more like racism towards other people like uh i don't know i i liked this book but it's um it's chock-a-block full of things that i don't like (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I will say the character the caricatures that it does of like the like British expats towards in Shanghai towards the beginning, <laughs> like the way that, you know, I uh, the the one guy with the with the with the mustache and like yeah. the, the black dress he's shirt. Such a dick. Is, he's like constantly talking about how, you know, they need to civilize the the Chinese while he's, you know, constantly like being an ass to to waiters and like making a mess and then blaming them for it like yeah like yeah it 
it kind of feels like something that would have been written in like 2020 in that regard. Like it, it, it has that kind of affectation to it and you know, it's, it's fine in, in that sense, but uh, it, it, it it's, I don't think that it's like, ha- I don't want to say it's half hearted because I think like that is, he is trying to convey that message, but it is just like in the context of just, even just the context of the rest of this book, which like is incredibly racist towards both Indians and Japanese people. Like mm-hmm. it is, it is, it is pretty crazy that it's just like, it, it can like flip the switch like that of like, I love racism. No, I hate racism. And then, Oh, mm-hmm. I love racism. Yeah. Again. And it does really feel like it's just like, Urge's like current state at that moment and mm-hmm. his views on the world. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, he has a like, Chinese friend. Yeah. Yeah. So buy his book. Buy 200 million copies in 70 languages. Um, it's been published that many times in that many places. Um, I mean, Emily, you've only read one Tintin book, I guess. But why? Why do you think, just from I guess this, that it has been so successful, and that it like, do you think it should be something that is still I guess read today and we're like uh, put, put on a pedestal is like, cause, cause it is like one of the sort of founding graphic novels. And it's, I mean, in Belgium, it was like basically the first one yeah. and sort of launched a lot of the European scene or helped that go. Yeah. I, you know, that's like a, that's kind of a tough question. I reading this, I was struck by the idea that if someone made an animated Tintin show, like in 2023, it feels like, I, you know, I. this is my only experience with Tintin officially, but like, if, if this is anything to go off of, you could theoretically take a story like this and make it, like, you could adapt it into a version that is less racist and could actually be like, you know, uh, something that you can show to, like modern children without like a billion caveats i um i don't know as from like a history of cartooning perspective i obviously think that you know like it it is undeniable how important tintin is like you know as a i don't want to say a franchise but you know what i mean like i don't mean it in that way but like yeah. as a as a as an entity like you can't deny like the the impact of tintin but mm-hmm. but also like there's so much of it that seems to just be um diff- problematic <laughs> diff- difficult, difficult difficult problematic yeah so yeah. um you know like i can i can see why this endures like i said even despite all of like the things that made me uncomfortable reading this book like there were plenty of times that genuinely like made me laugh and i felt very charmed and i could easily like if i had read this as a kid like there's so much you know being a white person there's so much stuff that i would not have picked up on and i probably would have like you know just been been all on board and you know people love uh white person traveling to exotic locations uh indiana a, jones as a concept Welcome board. and that seems to be something that tintin also does if i'm uh picking up yeah correctly. yeah he's like a he's Not like a journalist but you know he's a journalist but he's mm-hmm. really he's like a crime fighter <laughs> yeah vigilante yeah, kind of. Yeah. He's a journalist in the same way Indiana Jones is an archaeologist. Right? Yeah, 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 I mean, that's yeah, actually yeah, yeah. you that's... know that's a 
that I mean, you know, we we've been comparing good comparison, but uh, that that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't actually. I kind of forgot that he was a journalist, to be honest. <laughs> they pretty much only mention it in the actual comic, like at the end when they yeah. do that, like news report of what happened. Yeah, there. like journalist I. He doesn't do know, much. I think journalism. I knew no. that, but just in all of this, I had like kind of forgot. He's just. He doesn't really. I, he's just a yeah. silly little guy having silly little <laughs> adventures. He is really uh, the epitome of a silly little guy he with is. a silly little dog. Yeah. Um. To, to just go back to Alex's question, like, I basically agree with everything that Emily said. The struggle I have with Tintin is that I think that it's fine to, like, I think that people should read stuff like this because of how foundational it is. And, like, at the end of the day, it is good and entertaining and yeah. people should read that. It's just you're kind of in a bind because I think that if you're going to do that, you have to go into it clear-eyed. And since it's predominantly, like, targeted at children that makes it a little bit hard because it's hard to give kids the context for a, like and even what's if happening you do, in this like book. It, it's hard for them to grasp the context because yeah. they're kids. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I would give it to a kid, like as someone who grew up reading Tintin, I don't know if I would, like, I wouldn't recommend this to my baby cousin now. Cause that's like, well, like the adventure stuff is very solid. And like Emily said, like, and I, and I think maybe some of the later books, just, just from my memory, like, are more so just like straight adventure stuff and it's not about like oh my gosh look there's there's a caricature of a person i don't know like um you know there might be a better way to get in and in, in, in stuff like that but um sorry i just want to get that in <laughs> no I, I, yeah. I, 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 I agree with you like but i i do think that like tintin has a place in the canon and i think that like there's a reason for it having a place in the canon i mean like french and belgian like uh like the French and Belgian like bande dessinée market like has a lot like does owe a lot to Tintin and it is like a sort of a seminal work of like European comics so I think it's like worth reading and worth keeping around but also worth having an understanding of uh the sort of what material like the material that's in there and like the perspective it was written from right but that's and that's just true of everything right yeah like, you should read things in context and I yeah. and I would hope that like new editions of this book, like I don't I don't remember what my because I have them all, but they're all in the garage. Like, if there is like a like it, like when the Muppets show on Disney Plus was like, hey, there's some imagery here that's like we we just have some like you know so some stuff here. The Blue Lotus opens with a historic, at least this digital copy again, the yeah. legal and above board digital copy that I thanks read, Comixology uh, has a historical note that says, uh, Erge first published Le Lotus Bleu. In the magazine Ooh. Le Petit Vantium in Stop Brussels it. in 1934 and 35. Uh, the story itself is set. I actually thought, <laughs> I actually thought about doing a bit where I like started did like the first part of this episode in French, but then we so talked good. about but then we talked about Spider Man. So I wasn't ready to talk about Spider Man in French. Um, at the time, Japanese troops were arguing. Were occupying parts of the Chinese mainland in Shanghai, the great seaport, the mouth of the Yangtze Kang, possessed an international settlement, a trading base in China for Western nations administered by the British and Americans. Ergay based his narrative freely upon the events of the time, including the blowing up of the South Manchurian Railway, which led to further incursions by Japan to China and ultimately to Japan's Western nation from the League of Nations in 1933. So it gives you like some of the context. It doesn't quite apologize for like the thing, it just is like, here's what happened in the world. Yeah, the 
I feel like they're kind of trying to get at that with that he based his narrative freely on the events of the time. They're being very charitable. Yeah, there's there's not like a more in-depth note. If this is about aimed towards like, kids, like reading that is like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, like I also like I don't necessarily think that like every copy of Tintin going forward needs like an essay at the beginning explaining like his political views. But I think it is like no. worth having like it is worth knowing the context when you read stuff like this. Uh, yeah, so that you for can, sure. Like, evaluate it accurately and think mm-hmm. about it like in the context it was written and, yeah. you know, not be susceptible to the, you know, propagandizing and, uh, that it does. So, mm-hmm. um, so there, there's an animated series and I just like remembered it this, like probably like two hours before the show. Uh, I did end up watching the, the blue Lotus episode as a thing. And it's like, Still, so it came out in 1991, 1992, and the Japanese depiction is basically the same. And like a lot of, I mean, the style is basically it's 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 Ergay style brought to um brought to animation, um there. But it it does cut out a little bit of 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 the bite, a a little bit, uh, in it to make it a little more clean, I guess. Um, do you have any interest in sort of watching it, or I guess reading any more Tintin after after reading this one? Um, I think that I'll I'll probably watch that uh that episode um and i may even watch more i'm not i don't know 100 percent how much i will like read Tintin be- beyond this to be honest like not that i'd be opposed but just like you know it you know there, there's a lot of things to read and do and whatnot but um i i would not be opposed to watching <laughs> watching the little animated episodes because uh, I, I think it's far fun. more likely that you watch every animated episode than you read and one more issue of Tintin. That you know, that's exactly so, what I'm saying, Alex. Yeah. I, Tintin's not really my thing, uh. So I, I don't know. I, I'm a, a little curious now to go back and read some of the like to read the Soviet one because I don't think I've ever actually. Oh my god! Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually read Tintin in the Land of the Soviets. So I, I'm a little curious, but. I don't know if cur- my curiosity will be enough to get me to actually like go through with that when yeah. I have like when I'm about to read like ten trillion issues of Berserk. So Oh yeah, that's I, on the horizon. <laughs> okay, but I unequivoc- I'm already behind. unequivocally Berserk is better than Tintin. I can't say anything about that because I haven't read Berserk, so Okay. I, I mean, I I feel extremely confident saying that, and we can follow up when we do the the first Berserk episode to see how we feel on Tintin Berserk versus Tintin. Better than Holy Terror. Yes. Maybe not less maybe. racist, but better. May maybe better. Not less racist. Yeah, it's a uh, it it'll it'll be a heavyweight bout. It might be mm. less racist than Holy Terror. <laughs> Holy Terror is really racist. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, I was thinking, you know, they might be equally, not necessarily that it would they would be more racist than. Holy we'll, we'll we'll check out the racism scale next when we do Holy Terror. We'll do we'll do a whole. We'll really need to rate all of the books we've done on a scale of racism. Aye, aye. Um, well, what were uh, if you guys have any highlights? Oh, I do. I absolutely do, and I'm so glad that you asked. My, I took one screenshot while reading this book, and it's there's a scene where Tintin gets arrested, and like the uh, this guy's like 
you guys got to go in there and beat him up because of like bullshit reasons. And so these guys <laughs> go in to beat up Tintin and like the next panel, you, you like you see, hear like, like ruckus noises from behind the door. And then the next panel is like the hospital receiving a call that they need to send an ambulance, but the ambulance is not for Tintin. It is for these three guys that he beat up all by himself. And I, I had to sit my phone down for a second after that because it was so funny and so unexpected (laughs) that it just, it brought me so much joy and um, just like, these three guys being beat up by <laughs> tiny little baby Tintin. They're just sitting in the hospital like, ah. Incredible. And their bands bandaged up. Yeah. It, truly, that, that, was my, that was my highlight. That is a great scene. Uh, as I alluded to earlier, the convoluted manner in which Tintin is freed from prison, which involves the professor renting the house next to the prison and spending three days digging <laughs> into the prison also extremely good yeah i love that like i that's the kind of stuff where like is it convoluted yes is it unnecessary probably is it really fun to do stuff like that absolutely like i almost want to see like the whole like the whole thing of like it it being set up give me a side (laughs) comic of just their perspective as they're making and executing this plan yeah, I love all that stuff. Like that, like sort of pulpy golden age stuff is. is oh yeah, I love that stuff. Oh yeah. What about you, Alex? Mine was mine was the uh, the digging, the good old the good old the good old digging. Um, Excellent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Um, we we did mention that there aren't really many characters in Tintin as as there are you know people who pass pass in the night and 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 you know racist stereotypes but uh which tintin character cries the most because it's surely not tintin he he doesn't nothing i don't think he's ever cried i I don't think he has emotions well no he's he's got emotions he's just yeah i think um i'm gonna say snowy oh yeah if you watch the animated show he seems to go through that's a dog right Yeah. yeah He seems to go through a lot of like trials and tribulations. Yeah, I imagine he cries a lot. Tintin lots just leaves of, him sometimes in yeah, like a foreign lots country. Of bad stuff happens to him. Yeah. I'm sorry, Snowy. I I'm gonna go with Thompson. Uh, not Thompson, but you know Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. Uh, he's he's see. I don't frail. think they. I don't think they cry either. Either of them cry. You don't you think they know how to cry? cry? <laughs> Well, I don't, yeah. It doesn't occur to them to cry. Yeah, I, I think that that's kind of accurate. I, Damn. I, I, don't, I, I feel like very few people in this book are actually crying. I don't think they have much in the way of, like, rich internal lives. Oh. You, know? you think you, you think what we see is what we get? Oh, with, with these carrot with Tintin? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's a fair assertion. Okay. Then the person or the character that cries the most is you reading this book and noticing all of the uh the person who cries the most is the girl reading this (laughs) (laughs) yeehaw girls would never read tintin well (laughs) dun 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 i was gonna say i'm not a representative example yeah wow well i think that brings us basically to the end of this this here episode on tintin and the blue lotus do you guys have any any closing thoughts start with uh start with emily any any tintin tinted on your mind any snowy thompson thompson 
Uh, no, I mean, like I said, I just, I, uh, you know, against, uh, against all odds, I found, uh, this book very charming and I would not be opposed to attempting to engage with some sort of Tintin media in the future. And I appreciated an excuse to actually read something. So. Because normally you don't read. No. No. But also, I. If I had told you about the animated series first and been like, it's basically the same as the book, would, would you have, have d- read the book? I would have done both. I, I would okay. have done both. I am committed to podcasting. Heck yeah. The one true art form. If Erge was alive today, be a podcaster. Oh God, you would not want to do that. <laughs> maybe, well, he I- would have, maybe he would have been like taylor swift's boyfriend for uh, a month and a half the posting would have been unreal also i would like to say that i feel very vindicated in the fact that i did call that this was not a real relationship between maddie healy and taylor swift and it does not seem to have been a real relationship i was well i was just holding out for taylor (laughs) swift to to go on uh the only center left online talk show because i think that would have been pretty awesome for me what's the newest taylor's version she could have gone on and oh apparently fearless is coming out oh there's gonna be and did you see that Haley williams is on one of the songs yes and fallout boy i don't you know i don't care about that as much they're washed uh but uh, Haley williams not washed so i'm i'm excited for that i'm also really excited i said this on twitter the other day which is a few months ago now I'm really excited for uh, the uh, Taylor's version of Haunted because I don't really care for Speak Now, but Haunted is like a top five Taylor Swift song. And given how good the production has been on Red and Fearless, I'm really excited for that song to get touched up uh, because it's a banger. And you should stream Haunted by Taylor Swift. And uh, she really needs the hits. Also, also the Adam Friedland show on YouTube. I guess this is a very interesting closing thoughts on Tintin and and Blue Lotus. It's very, um, very insightful. See, I'm falling into the same trap as Maddie Healy, where I go on a podcast and say things that I don't really believe to sound edgy. Uh, But I, the difference is, I will not get dragged by millions of losers online for for doing that. Well, you're also not going to be racist. I think that helps. That's true. I'm not going to say anything racist. Uh, That's the Jean-Luc guarantee. Well, I guess it's not a guarantee because I might say something I don't know is racist, like accidentally, for which I would, you know, apologize. But I, you know, I, I wouldn't guarantee it. I liked it. Not the the Adam Friedland show. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Pretty, pretty interesting. Do you pretty hear that good. sound? Oh yeah, Alex, what's there, that sound? There it is. That's the uh, that's the doomsday clock, which means it's time for our, you know, our favorite segment, our go-to segment. It's time for the cry space. I guess I should get Gwen to make us some cry space music. Yeah, like uh, it's and I think it should be a little bit like exciting. It's like we're gonna cry yeah i originally i was gonna have like a clip of like just an audio clip of someone crying that i was gonna play when this when we did this but um it was too sad (laughs) so i said no it would have been our cry space every week because we'd have to listen to it and then we'd just be so emotionally distraught that we couldn't put the show together so 
I have a different Cryspace theme song every episode because I, you know, always am listening to music while we're recording. Oh. What's today's Cryspace music? Uh, it's Walk by Pantera. So, Kongdu Pantera. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. The uh, for those who don't know, Kongdu Pantera is a um, is a uh, tier two Overwatch team that John Luke likes and listens to. Um, they're not quite. Is you know, there actually like, an Overwatch team called Pantera? Uh, Kongdu Pantera. Oh, Panthera. Yeah, so it's like a panther, not a, not a whatever the heck you're doing. I, I don't know, P- Pantera. I don't know. It's a, it's a cool name. They're a, like they're a metal band from the '90s. How do you oh. not know Pantera? They're like, yeah. How do famous. you not know Pantera? Oh, because all of my metal knowledge comes from Chad. Oh like, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. There we that's, go. Chad yeah. doesn't like Pantera, so. Well, that's all I need to know. I think they're pretty good. Okay, well, that's all I need to know too. Shut the fuck up, Jean Luc. Now, now I'm be I'm confused. Um, but you, you Jean Luc, you got a you got a cry space for us this week. Oh, I have to go first. Uh, you don't have to. I, I have a cry space. Go for it. Uh, my cry space is that I got new glasses, and neither of my cobos said anything. <gasps> they're so they're Are nice. You? Yeah, look at them. Nice. I normally wear red heart shaped glasses, and these. Are like orange circle glasses. They're very okay, different. If these were yellow, I would have been like different. But like, I guess red. Now that you point them out, first of all, very nice glasses. Uh, so they they have you know the colors, and then they have like the metal really like stands out. You know, yeah, it's because they're uh, they're rimless, so it's just like the the glass Ooh. with the the metal. I got them because they look like the glasses worn by uh, Bash the Stampede from Trigun. I don't know what those words mean. You've it's never, wait, you've never heard of Trigun. It's like metal a band. Uh, I, I know of Trigon, uh, you know, from DC Comics. No, but... Tri Trigun is an anime, and it oh. was uh, there. There was See, a that. That's where you lose me. Okay, but there was a version of it. That, well, you, I guess, yeah, you didn't grow up in the states, so you wouldn't have watched Toonami. But like, I don't know. It's like it's like a one of those older animes that people talk about a lot. Anyway, they made a reboot of it called Trigun Stampede. That's really good, and uh, I love Bash and his little gay glasses. So uh, I I found some online nice. that looks like the them. glasses are sick. Thank you. Very nice glasses. I did remember, I thought I had a cry space prepared and I forgot it when Alex told me, but I remembered. Uh, my my cry space is that, again, this is going to be something that's outdated when the episode comes out, but I kind of cried because I had to admit to myself that uh, Avenged Sevenfold actually kind of cooked with their new album and did release uh, new songs that are good in the year 2023. Oh, is that true? Should I listen that's, to the new Avenged Sevenfold it's it's inconsistent but i would say about 60 percent of the new avenge sevenfold album is pretty good is that okay. a, a is that a metal band yeah actually vague, vague, vaguely kind of okay i'm learning they're a metal band but they're like you know metal for i was gonna say they're a baby metal band but they're nothing like the band baby metal they're band. like metal <laughs> for emo kids yes, yeah no yeah, that's actually the perfect way of putting it yeah i'm gonna keep like, this oh, you going. like my chemical romance do you want something a little edgier yeah you're at an eight that is you, actually, want a, you want a nine yeah. that is exactly it uh it, they are just edgier just slightly edgier but yeah the new album is actually like surprisingly okay and i was like Kind of sad that I had to stop being a Avenged Sevenfold hater. 
Not that I was a hater, really, but like they hadn't put out a good album in like you could. I mean, there's years, so. next album could be bad. There's hope. It's true. Yeah, it's true. You go back to it. Wow. I just think they should have stayed on the trajectory they were on after City of Evil, but instead they weren't. So that's fair. You hate to hear it. Damn. Um, Self-titled's okay though. The the one right after City of Evil. But... Yeah. Yeah, that album is all right. Has my favorite Avenged Sevenfold song on it. Avenge the Sevenfold. Um, no, hold on. Um, is it uh, a little piece of heaven? Or it's whatever? not a little piece. It's not a little piece of heaven. No, it is a little piece of heaven. Oh, oh, See, a I twist. Knew. A twist. Yeah. Uh, Alex, what did you cry about recently? Um, I cried because I'm getting engaged. Wow. Engaged to be married. This is the first time hearing of this. That's crazy. Oh, really? Because I got a private DM from Alex. I guess you're just not. Uh... Well, he's not. A, he's not a Patreon subscriber. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my God! Imagine, 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 imagine. You're you're like you you, I don't know, you you have your YouTube, and then one of the things for your Patreon people is they, is they know when you're like engaged or like big life events for you, and they get to know first. That's tell me it's not a thing. I, I'm gonna say. Alex did DM me, which is better than how Emily told me that she was getting married, so... Okay, that's fair. I didn't tell you guys at all. I did just, like, um... Emily messaged me one day out of the blue, being like, hey, did you listen to the new episode of Fresh Podcast Market? (laughs) And she, like, never asks... Like, I listened listened to the podcast, but she, like, never used to ask me that, and I'm like, no, I haven't listened to it yet. It came out, like, yesterday. It's a good podcast, but it's not that good. (laughs) and so i listened to it uh, and so i listened to it like a day and a half later and was like oh emily's talked about how she's engaged now good for emily but, wow what a power that's how I-, <laughs> I mean like yeah so if i haven't told people if i haven't told people i'll just have them listen to the full episode where we talk about tintin and the blue lotus yeah! so they get to go through all of the all of the fun to get to that that's so wow. exciting Alex. But yeah yeah and uh, I, I invited my co-host, so they have to come to Canada. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to renewing my passport so I can come for the wedding. Yep. You guys will be at your own table. No, you know, you know what I want to do? Because you know how at some weddings they put people who, like, know each other together? I'm going to, like, pick one person from, like, make sure no one at the table knows each other. So everyone just has, like, a stressful night. And then it's less stressful for, like, me and Manolin. So. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I can think of, like... Like, I'm not somebody who should be put at a table with people I don't know. Yeah, you, if you do that, you're doing that at your own risk, Alex. Hey, the videographer will be there. We'll get great content. That's what weddings <laughs> are about. So, um, and, and each guest, I'm going to have them bring something specific. So, Jean-Luc, you're going to bring either two Magic the Gathering decks so you can like be like, hey, play Magic the Gathering with me, oh. but, which would be fun, right? That'd be good. If any of our other mutual, like our other mutual friends, show up, there will be magic played at your wedding, Alex. So. Yeah, but y- you guys won't be at the same table. You won't even be in the same room. We're we're separating. Yeah. Uh, what do I have to bring? Emily, you're gonna have to bring two Yu-Gi-Oh decks. You're gonna bring. You're gonna bring a DVD player. Okay. You know, like like one of those mini ones, and you're gonna yes. have a headphone, like Apple headphones, the old ones, mm-hmm. one ear, one ear, and it's gonna be a, like a, a CD of 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 you know Revolutionary Girl Utna. Yes, and you're gonna have to got introduce it. someone to it. Yeah, and got watch it. all 26 episodes. I'm gonna bring a portable DVD player and on it. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, more than 26 episodes of that show, Alex. I 
it felt it felt so right. It felt so right. Twenty six. No, there's uh, thirty nine. Shit, that's a lot. Um, but you know what? It's we'll keep it open a little longer. We'll, it'll it'll be a long day, and yeah. then Chad's going gonna... to, to the reception. That you can still be watching. Yeah, and then and then Chad is going to be the only music we have. Oh, that's awesome! And that's we're gonna, gonna rock. we're gonna make him take requests. And it's You're gonna. Be gonna be apologizing to Madeline for years afterwards for that see like you know a lot of people do weddings and it's like it's you know it's not about them it's not about that they're fun but this maybe maybe i'm a sicko but it sounds like it sounds like fun it does am Um, i gonna have to re-listen to this podcast to remember what i'm supposed to be bringing no i'll tell you every week oh okay in the lead up um but you should also bring your plugs because we have a twitter uh at crying book club follow it check it out we have some you know we got some cool pictures going up when we when we post shows we have some we sometimes tag people um but that's mostly if we're like you know being like hey um no i don't think we really do tag people i only tag creators if we shit on their book yeah i was thinking that and then i couldn't think of a creator that we like shit on enough to be like like if we did a jeff johns episode i feel like you would but there's no way he stalls a twitter after like his last few years um but all that said, you can also rate and review us. Though, oh well, okay. That, that's who we're tagging for this episode. Uh, rate and review us five stars on your favorite podcast platform and your non-favorite podcast platform. Five stars are, you know, five stars no matter where they're at. Um, well, okay, maybe do like do people use Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. Alex, mm, that sounds lame. It's not uh, iTunes. If you don't, if, if you want to hear more of Jean Luc's thoughts about things like iTunes, uh, follow him on Twitter at Mountain Dew Liker. That's M T Dew Liker, uh, and check out his letterbox at Jail Bot Bill. Um, it's going to be late right now, uh, you know, but Emily and Jean Luc have both seen the new Spider Verse movie, and they both rave reviews. Um, Jean Luc sent out a tweet today saying he wants to see a movie that where he feels something, and yet. He just saw Spider-Verse, so I'm confused. You know how when you see a movie that, like, really makes you feel something, and then you Mm. just, like, want to watch, like, more movies like that? Oh, like, when you watch good films? (laughs) It's kind of like, yeah, it's like, it's like the, you know, people were talking about, like, the post-Avatar depression, which definitely was a thing. Like, you see something that good, and then you go out of the theater, and you're like, oh my god, my life is so dog shit without, like watching that all the time and that's how i felt after spider-verse yeah i spent like literally every 10 minutes in that movie thinking this is the coolest thing i've ever seen in my goddamn (laughs) life did you guys get your uh your commemorative tickets no for opening weekend i don't care about that oh i i didn't go opening weekend i went i went yesterday Oh, I guess I technically did go opening weekend, but I didn't know that was maybe, maybe it's a Canada thing. Adam got a, Adam got a piece of plastic. I went at a four p.m. showing on a Tuesday. That's wonderful. I was really annoyed because I went at a nine forty-five p.m. showing on Saturday, only to find out that my AMC doesn't have like the special drinks. They only no. have like beers and ciders. Oh, well, I was used to like when I used to go to late showings at you know AMCs in real cities. I could get like you know cocktails and shit mm-hmm. but alas unforged that's unfortunate when i see it on friday i don't think there was a spider-man i mean uh, there was a spider-verse cocktail unfortunately uh, you know being that the movie is for children but although there was a sonic cocktail so you know but they do them that was not for children well no it had no that was well i mean no no child should watch that movie <laughs> um but you I, should well, watch, i agree with you should watch uh, uh, twitter to see uh, emily's tweets empandanada and the secret 
comics Twitter, though, we're not going to mention. Uh, you can also check it's out the Letterboxd at Pandabore. No, it's a secret now. Okay. And Twitch at Pandabore. Uh, podcasts, so many. This might not be accurate anymore, but imagine me and you in a fresh podcast market. That looks terrible. Those are uh, all also, accurate. also producing on a a little a little show called Big Steppy. You know, yeah. if you're and, into if you're into uh, that. Another show called Loser Like Me, where they yeah. talk about the the Ryan Murphy hit show Glee. What a show! What content! What content! Honestly, boy howdy. Um, um, so yeah, and if you, you can also listen to Warrior Chats, which had a new episode after a year, which was uh, it, it was it it yes, but it, no, but it was like a while it was recorded a while ago, which is like yeah, if we, you're gonna if you're gonna do a podcast, just release it, release Warrior it right Cats after. Is, Warrior Cats is eternal, you know, like it's, yeah. it's, it's it's truly evergreen. Yeah, evergreen. Yeah, we would never do the thing. We 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 post quick, so quick. Um, and oh, all that said. Um, we post on time. Yes. Yes. Uh, the point is, if you like our voices, but not all together, check out uh, that looks terrible because we have a there's a couple episodes where uh, me yep. and John Luke uh, guest. Whenever uh, Annie gets episodes of those out, there will be episodes. <laughs> like yeah. I, it's just it's not my responsibility. So, you know, that must feel nice. It feels free great. Of, free of that. Um, but to end it off, I'm gonna let John Luke and Emily. Each have five sentences. Go. That's a lot. No, that's way too many. That's one. Yeah, no, we're done. That's two. You can collectively. Goodbye. Three. Four. We love you.